Hello there, listeners. It's Susie New here, president of the Australian Society of Anesthetists, and welcome to our podcast where we talk all things related to anesthesia in Australia. I'm sharing with you today some highlights of a podcast that I recorded back on the 29th of April with Sandra Robinson, Ange Baker, and Paul Pham. These guys were one of the first to get fit testing into their hospital, and I wanted to share with you some of their thoughts about it. Because I know many places that are thinking about introducing fit testing are asking, what do you do with the people who haven't been able to find a mask to fit them? Well, these guys came up with one solution, and that was to use reusable masks, and we go through that in the podcast. We do discuss their hospital, which is why I'm only sharing highlights from our conversation. The full podcast is available for ASA members on the ASA website, asa.org.au, and just search for podcasts. Hope you enjoy listening. Thanks so much for your time today, guys. Really, really looking forward to this chat. So I'm being joined by Sandra Robinson, Ange Baker and Paul Pham. I think you guys really one of the big success stories for getting fit testing going in your hospital. So I think many, many people are very interested to find out how you got it going and also a bit more about what's involved from your end. But first of all, before we get into that, maybe we start with some introductions. Sandra, do you want to introduce yourself first? Yeah, so my name's Sancha Robinson. I'm a staff specialist. And Ange? I'm Ange Baker. I'm also a staff specialist. I spent almost 20 years in the UK and came back in January last year. And Paul? My name's Paul. I was an anesthetic registrar here at SPIN. Kudos to you guys. I was talking with Sancha, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. about fit testing because you guys have managed to get that into your department. Maybe, Santa, do you want to start with you? Do you want to just, from from your perspective, what was involved with the fit testing? So initially I got interested in fit testing probably about uh, two months ago now, at the very, very beginning when all of this pandemic stuff kicked off. And I watched the PPE videos and it was talking about donning and doffing PPE. And when I saw those videos, I realized that there were two important steps, which were the fit check, which they were showing us how to do, but also the fit test. And I thought, I've never heard of fit testing. I think the initial um, reservation seemed to me to be about the lack of mask availability. The way that I always saw this was that it's actually really important to understand if a mask properly fits you with a fit test, because otherwise there's just no point in wearing a mask. You might as well wear a surgical mask. But if you're going to test something like everything in medicine, you've got to know what you're going to do with the results of that test. For example, those um, who didn't pass a fit test on the available mask would be redistributed to lower risk roles. This was a valuable learning opportunity. By doing the fit testing, you'd be learning how to properly fit the mask, how to properly fit check the mask, how to properly don and doff the mask and select the right sort of mask for yourself. And and really importantly, what a well-fitting mask should feel like. I thought that eventually the district could be held negligent for not doing fit testing because it's a standard which is required if you're going to ask people to wear a mask. Ange, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, Sanchez outlined that background really well. And what we noticed in anaesthetics is our job plans. We spend a lot of time um, rehearsing things that don't happen very often and we always have a backup plan. So after Santa had done all this digging and we realised that we don't have a great variability in the disposable masks, most of these masks have come from industry. On the whole, they're made to fit men, and that certainly has been our experience. And that's where Paul and Sancha then began looking at alternatives to 
disposables. So anaesthetists failed the fit test. That can be incredibly anxiety provoking to think I'm going into this potentially dangerous situation with a risk of transmission of COVID and this mask does not fit me correctly, so therefore I'm not protected. What we've also realised is PAPAs, which are often used as a backup, they're also in short supply. There's an incredible amount of education and training that's required in the donning and doffing, the cleaning. And then the other issue is if you're not using them frequently, it's like anything, the skills for all that donning and doffing and cleaning get lost. And there is just not enough of those papers in most organisations to cover the number of people that will fail the available fit testing of disposables. That's really good to know. And I've done a previous podcast on PAPAs and I think you've just reiterated everything that I discussed previously. And um, I know a lot of people have gone to them, but it's certainly a very important consideration as to how you implement them. It's not just obtaining them as a piece of hardware. It's actually what you're going to do with it and how you're going to use them safely and, and, and continue to use them safely. Do you know roughly what proportion of those tested ended up having to go to using a reusable mask? We had 44% of women fail that fit test on the 1860 disposable. And there were seven men who failed, which was 14% of those who tested. The other significant thing there, Susie, would be to say in the anaesthetic department, it's potentially a 50-50 split with women and men. But when you start testing a nursing population, it is overwhelmingly women. When I've talked to various fit testers, I've heard that the industry standard is about a 5 to 10% failure rate. Right, Susie, if you have a wide variety of masks you can test on, it's no use having a mask that you pass on that is then not available. That's something that I've said before, that what I think you're putting together is the gold standard of fit testing is that, number one, you get an experienced fit tester because they bring that experience. But then the next step is a wide range of styles and sizes of masks And then you get taught how to wear it properly and you get the sense of what it feels like. And then you get the chance to practice regularly with it. And then the last bit is that you do a fit check every time you use it. So there's there's sort of five key components to the whole program. I'd like to hear what your opinion is on this. That for me highlights the issue of not having a backup to disposable Susie because if we're in a surge situation, we wouldn't necessarily have the time to go and refit test whole departments for new types of masks that are coming in. So that's just the issue about reliability of supply, that if you know you're getting the same type of masks and they fit the majority of your healthcare workers, then you're in a really strong position. But like in the UK, who fit tests everyone, they ran out of those masks and also were under such clinical pressure they couldn't retest everyone on the new types of masks that were coming in and now at a point where they don't even have a lot of disposable masks available for healthcare workers. I get that's a really key message here. So, you know, what is it that you're going to do with the result? And maybe your fallback is a reusable mask, either for those who fail the fit test or in maybe perhaps in general, because you're going to run out of disposables at one stage potentially. And the other one is thinking about redeploying people to other areas where they're at less risk. The key thing here is also about the expertise of the people who are doing the formal testing of those disposable and potentially reusable masks. 
So the people that we've had in, many of them have 15, 20 years of experience as respiratory hygienists and nurses who have been testing hundreds and hundreds of people on these sorts of masks. It's not just about them bringing in a machine. What they're bringing into the table is their expertise about about actually how to properly fit a mask. And they're teaching people that. And so there's been lots of suggestions that we should just buy a machine and fit test. Well, that completely misses the point of what this fit testing is about. Because for me, it's always been about education. And yeah, you can have a look at a machine, you can see what your quantitative scores are with a port account machine. But you don't know how to troubleshoot that you don't know for example, that you can do dynamic testing to see at what points you're actually losing the seal of your mask. Mm. And those sorts of skills that these people bring are incredibly valuable. So I also really refute this idea of, you know, just buying a machine and training some people up as, as fit testers. I think there's a lot of experience that people who are appropriately qualified bring to that role. Great. And they have requirements as well, don't they, when they come and do the fit testing? Do you want to just explain some of those? Essentially, they have a number of requirements, mainly along the lines of keeping their nursing staff safe during a pandemic. So they were really concerned about making sure that everybody filled out a screening questionnaire for COVID. Everybody had their temperature taken. We informed people not to come if they were sick on the day. And there were a number of stringent things put in place. For example, we had to provide alcohol gel and cleaning. And it was really important that we made sure that we cleaned the masks. So there were some reusable masks that we were testing people on if they didn't get through on the disposable masks. So we were making sure that we very stringently clean those in between people. Part of it was around cleaning and infection control. Then the other challenge was actually supplying the appropriate masks for people to fit test on. How about the nurses? Did you have any consideration for testing those? Because they're standing right beside us when yeah. we, when we mm. do yeah. those airway generating procedures. How did that go? Team Anesthetics has always 100% advocated for especially our anesthetic nurse, but the whole theatre team to be tested. I think that nurses standing right beside us and anybody involved with an aerosol generating procedure from the cleaner to the head of the hospital should be fit tested. You did mention, I think, Ange, about them testing in the UK. And I've heard, you know, different accounts from people. I've seen a, a video sent to me from an occupation health and safety person from the UK that says it's, it's legally required. It's a legal mandate in the UK. What was your experience? Did they test regularly over there? So my experience was in the UK, as you may be aware, anaesthetics and ICU were a combined specialty until very recently. So we all always did a lot of ICU in anaesthetic training. And so during the last H1N1 in 2009, everyone in anaesthetics and ICU, every nurse was all fit tested for a mask. And speaking to my colleagues, exactly the same happened again. Everyone was fit tested again when they got new masks in. They were all retested with those new masks. So it's much more embedded in the process of respiratory protection, I think, in the UK. And also because unlike Australia, it has had to deal with a couple of influenza outbreaks. So definitely part of the workplace health and safety coverage in the UK. I just was talking to my Canadian colleagues recently, and again, they said after SARS, everyone was fit tested if they weren't already during SARS. And We've seen the CDC guidelines, even the Australian NHMRC guidelines, which recommend fit testing be performed on an annual basis. 
Yeah, so that's really interesting you say that. Internationally, we know that other countries like America have really stringent respiratory protection programs and they haven't had so for many years. And even now during this crisis stage of their pandemic, America regulators are still expecting that their employees are fit tested before they're asked to use a respirator. And that's being done despite the crisis and shortage of PPE in America. It's still a legally mandated requirement. So that hasn't been relaxed. What has been relaxed as according to CDC guidelines is and OSHA guidelines is that the annual requirement has been relaxed so that you don't have to necessarily get tested every year, uh, but you still need to get tested before you use a respirator. Yeah. yeah. And, and as you know, in Australia, we've had these standards, um, Australian standard 1715 and 1716 over a decade now, mm. which don't have any exclusion for healthcare workers at all. They apply mm. to us. Whilst they aren't legally mandated under WHS regulations, they are a standard that is usually used, used by the WorkSafe regulator in each state and used as the standard of best practice for employers to use to protect their employees. So there's no reason that we shouldn't be following their standards. Um, the NHNRC is obviously recommending that we do and has done so for a couple of years now. It just seems like people may not be aware of the standard and what and that how it applies to a particular healthcare setting. But it's quite clear fit testing is mandatory when employees are asked to use for a respirator. And after discussions with regulators here in New South Wales, that is their position. Asmoth, the Salary Medical Officer Union, is on board with that and have ongoing negotiations with Ministry and CEC regarding fit testing with the backing of Safe Work New South Wales that fit testing is strongly recommended in order to protect a PCBU or employer from an ongoing enforcement or legal action from the regulator. Wow, very strong words there, Paul. From a very junior member of our yeah. profession, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but it is true yeah. and it, it, it's such, it, it's so variably interpreted across Australia. I think South Australia's done really well. They've just said, okay, great, we need fit testing. We'll get everyone fit tested. And there's been a lot of pushback in some of the other states. So well done for expressing that so clearly. I wanted to now move on to uh, the reusable masks because I think that's something that a lot of people haven't thought about, haven't had any experience with. At this point, we go on and have a conversation about elastomeric masks or respirators, otherwise known as APRs, air purifying respirators, as opposed to PAPAs, the powered air purifying respirators. This section of this episode is, for various reasons, only available to ASA members. So if you're a member, please log into the ASA website, asa at asa.org.au and search for podcasts. I'll also put a link to the podcast page in the show notes. So Paul and I spoke to a doctor um, where they have a huge number of COVID patients and they have a, a group approach to P2 respirators. So they use disposable masks. They use PAPAs, and for the other healthcare workers, which is between six and eight thousand, they use the reusable elastomeric respirators. And I'm impressed that they has fit tested P2s, PAPAs, and reusable masks, which are three things yes. that many many hospitals yes. in Australia are yeah. not even achieving at the moment. Is there any final messages or any things that you wanted to talk about that we haven't touched on? I would say a key message we've been really pushing with, and that's the time to adequately prepare. And now is the time for us to prepare this respiratory protection program. So let's get as prepared as we can. Whilst we've got the time and we are not burning through disposables, let's get as much in place as we can. Good take-home message. I couldn't agree with you more there, And How about you, Paul? Anything you wanted to make a comment on? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll just echo Andrew and say that uh, I think we've all been maybe blase in our approach to PPE for quite a while now. I think this is a wake-up call not only for us in the front line but our managers and, and I guess, governments that, you know, we do have these standards in place and they've existed quite a while now and they are restrictively used to in other industries. There's no reason that we shouldn't be giving the same protection to frontline healthcare workers. Exactly. So many other industries, so many other countries, we just want to get on board, don't we? And Sanja? So my key take-home message is if you're wearing a mask, and it's not fit tested, you don't know if it fits you properly. And if it doesn't fit you properly, there's literally no point in wearing it. You might as well wear a standard surgical mask. So my take-home message is you need to get fit tested on your mask. Lovely. The thing is, if you have a trainee in your department who is also a pilot (laughs) and very, very keen on all things kind of tech and fancy get them on board as well 100% right there I think we definitely shouldn't be overlooking anybody you know based on their seniority or juniority I think everyone's got a really key role in in how we prepare for this pandemic so thanks guys thanks very much for your time this morning thanks for your time Susie thank you Susie this podcast was produced by the Australian Society of Anesthetists. More podcasts can be found on the ASA website, asa.org.au. Music was The Twelve Dance, Part 1 by Maydan, which can be found on the Free Music Archive website. We hope you enjoyed listening. Music